Hi, this is Michael Dorn, Lieutenant Commander Worf from Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the Senate chair this week. I'm joined right behind me by Assistant Engineer and Nacelle Specialist, Daniel Prue. Daniel, what's going on? And um, I haven't checked the pad today. Are the starboard sharks still in first place? Well, I mean, of course they are, Philip. I mean, do you really have to ask that question? The answer is no. You don't have to ask that question because they're always in first place because they're best. Right, because if they're not in first, they're usually in second. Well, so occasionally, but, but no. But right now they're in first. Also known as last. Okay. Um, I'm also joined by ship's counselor, Darren Moser. Now, Darren... You're looking colorful as always, A. Uh, B, now that it's spring um, in space, I hear that there's a lot more dates taking place in Tenford and the holodecks. How is the crew reacting here? It's so true. I mean, the season of space spring, it comes along but once a star date. And we're actually, we're installing a spiral staircase that leads from 10 forward up to 9 forward just because we need the extra space. It's, it's going to be... It's going to be great, and you're still going to get a great view of the front of the ship when we go to warp. I mean, everybody loves that moment. I mean, that's why Picard just takes those little tiny warp two jumps instead of just going warp nine to 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 get to Riza. I mean, we're just never going to get there with these little jumps. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's right. We don't have to wait for a wormhole to open around here. All right. Well, as folks can't tell it all from that introduction, um, we're going to do something uh, uh, interesting this week, as opposed to every other week. Am I right? Um, we're going to do a little uh, sort of character moments, um, you know, sort of your favorite character moment or episode or whatever. And today we're going to do it with Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge. Now, I don't know. To me, the reason I picked Jordy, and, and if I ever do this again, um, you know, Jordy doesn't get a lot. You know, we pick on him sometimes. You know, he's not like the big moments like Data or, or Picard. Um, and so I thought, you know, Jordy needs a little love. And, and you know, we like Jordy. Um, and so I thought we kind of go around and kind of talk about, like, you know, if, if someone, you know, we can do it one of two ways. One way would be, like, if someone doesn't know Jordy, how, you know, the, the character, how would you, like, oh, this moment or this episode or this whatever really shows Jordy being Are Geordie. we filling out his Tinder profile? Is that what you're basically <laughs> asking us to do? Well, I mean, I don't know if you could. You could see the um, and then number two, if if like this, basically you're just it doesn't have to be favor because maybe it's a, maybe it's not a good thing, right? But maybe it's a, just a, a, a epitome Jordy moment. So I'm gonna let uh, Daniel and Darren kind of uh, put in their uh, prosthetics and figure it out. Um, and I'm gonna start off here with um, stealing probably the one we always talk about here on Earl Grey, and that's Arsenal of Freedom. Um, uh, this is a good, great uh, season. Oh, Lordy. Uh, one episode, right? Or is it season two? Season one. Okay, season one episode. Um, and the reason... Because there's almost two or three Geordies, you could say, whether it's a consistent character or not. But early Geordie, Geordie in red. Geordie um, in red. You know, that is a very... Because he seems very, like, a young... He's the young con officer, cracking jokes. He's the lieutenant junior grade, right? Um and Arsenal of Freedom sort of has that sort of almost like Harry Kim and Charge of the Ship kind of feel to it. You're saying he's the better. night shift guy if Data wasn't <laughs> there who doesn't sleep? Exactly. And and but he starts suddenly because of everyone has their own plot lines. Uh he, you know, Jordy's in command um and he outranks everyone. I mean, yes, there's a lieutenant commander next to him, but nobody can tell cuz she's wearing this weird dress. So, but he's <laughs> the highest ranked person on that bridge, but like he gets counsel by the ship's counselor about how to be a commander. He's like helping people, um, you know, uh, sort of like the ensigns or crewman Schmedlab, you know, kind of calming them down about what to do. He separates the ship. You know, what more can you do as captain of the Enterprise? So, like, what do you all think of that as the, the sort of the Geordie episode, or at least the early Geordie episode? That's true, because, like you said, it's kind of a, a C or a B plot line, but it actually, that's the Geordie episode. 
you know, that really kind of starts to show his character more than just sitting in a lounge chair. A really, really loungy chair. I mean, we can't stress enough the loungesness of this yeah, chair. Yeah, we're talking like 65 degrees of lounge going on. Like, yeah. they right, might but, as well put the screen on the ceiling. But, <laughs> but my favorite part about season one is that Data and Jordy know each other's lounge number, and so they can sort of, like, press the number on the chair. <laughs> and, anyway. Does Data, like, it ah. firmer? You know, because he just, <laughs> just, like, sits with his positronic butt. You know, it's funny, like, it, you don't think about it, right? Well, at least I, I never really thought about it uh, until we're talking about it here, but this is, like, the seeds of the final canon, almost final, the second to final canon uh, version of Geordi that we get, uh, which was the... Oh, actually, no, it might be the final... Are you talking I'm about sorry. the captain of the Challenger? I'm talking about the captain of the Challenger, yes. I, I should actually clarify. And I'm thinking if whether or not... Um, that takes place before or after um, the prequel to 2009 when Jordy designs the, uh, the jellyfish, um, which is also technically, technically canon. Um, but either way, it doesn't matter because one's technically uh, an alternate future. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyways, Janeway yes. messed up the timeline. Let's just get this out. <laughs> Janeway is the Nero. But this episode, you know, this is his like take the command, you can be a captain kind of moment, and then we see that pay off way, way in the future. I don't know what, like, when you said that, Daniel, I just sort of pictured, like, the 1980s or 70s, like, comic book, like, you're looking through, there's an ad, you can be the captain! <laughs> Starfleet wants just, you! Just send in these box tops, and we'll give you the cheap plastic-looking Starfleet insignia that really doesn't look like the Starfleet insignia. Now, I think you what they were captain. missing was when Riker, or, or I don't remember if it was Riker or Picard, but whoever gestures for him to take the center seat, we needed that Wesley Crusher point of view of looking around the bridge of like, oh, it's me! I'm gonna sit in the seat! And then, you know, and then we hearken back to like Travis Mayweather when he sits in the center chair for the first time, and he kind of looks around the room and goes... Wow, the room looks a lot different from here. But you know what, though? We have seen what it's like to see first person through Jordy's eyes, and it would be a little bit of a trip <laughs> to uh, to sit in the center chair like that. It's like, does a data always look like that? <laughs> Jordy, you can't, you can't say that. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, we're bringing Mean Girls into it. That's really funny. Uh, <laughs> you can't say Data's <laughs> polysynthetic alloy. I mean, you just can't call that out. Uh, that's I'm, funny. I'm just picturing like the Starfleet Bridge Commander because like, you sort of the cutscene <laughs> where you're sort of like getting on the bridge and then you sort of you see that view of you sitting down on the bridge. Now, I'm the picturing if you want to look at if you want to you know communicate with someone, you have to first pan over to the side and then pan over <laughs> to facing forward and then to get to weapons it's going to take you at least three more pans to get back around but maybe if you hold a shift it'll go faster oh goodness yeah because yeah actually uh in how uh, leland to no i don't know if that's leland to lunch but anyway there's the he actually orders the then chief engineer for the day you know because that's how often they are um who i think technically outranks him and he, that engineer's like, hey, I'm going to take command. But he's not in like, command. He's not a command track. I know. Jordy's like, you'll take command of the saucer. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> you can go to warp. Oh, wait. Actually, you can't. <laughs> We're going to drop you off at school and turn around. That's right. So anyway, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and, and whether we say that would pan off or not to what we saw, you know, through the, through the eight, nine, ten years of Jordy, I don't know. But anyway, so let's see. Um, next, Darren, what, what's your Jordy moment pick episode scene? Well, I talked about this a couple episode. weeks ago with uh, Andy when we were doing From There to Here, and we talked about the enemy. And that's the one with the Romulan down on the planet with the psychedelic storm, and he falls in the pit, and his visor's going out, and he, he literally forges rock climbing tools out of uh, nothing well he love forges, forges rock climbing oh, oh, tools I get it. I didn't, oh my goodness I <laughs> out of nothing. <laughs> right over my head yeah i just you know. and that's just awesome and then you know he he's a sharer i mean he he does he doesn't have his eyes the other guy doesn't have legs and they make it work 
and they're able to, to rescue themselves. With our powers combined, because who did the voice of Kwame? LeVar Burton. It all fits together, folks. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, Wait he had to minute. get back down to his roots, and... <laughs> oh! Wait a minute! No, 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 seriously. There was a rainbow in the sky. No, 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 seriously, time out. <laughs> because I had no idea. Are you telling me LeVar Burton plays the voice of... Of Kwame um, from Patton Planet? Yes. Of the heart guy from... No, 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 Earth. He's Earth. Earth, oh, the Earth guy, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, from... Ka- I had yes. no idea that this, this was a thing. Yep. Oh, that, no, is, that is LeVar Burton. Yes. My childhood is so much more connected than I ever realized. So this is, How did you I, not know that piece of 80s Iacana? But you know, I, I kind of always... You know what? Daniel, don't feel bad. The only reason I found out is when um, the Family Guy app had the Star Trek Next Generation event, and when you played the, you know, had the Geordie character, and he would just say random things, one of the things he would say was, let our powers come by. I'm like, oh my god, that, that's him! <laughs> oh yep. my goodness, I yep. have no idea! See, already oh, he was a man. leader. I mean, he was the only one. That's I true. mean, maybe maybe 3% of the time someone else would start the charge, but it was always Kwame who was like, let our powers combine. Was he, he a red <laughs> oh, shirt? Like, he had the jacket and a red shirt. Oh, know. man, my, I am, this is the happiest news I've heard in a long time. <laughs> now you gotta go rewatch some episodes, Dan. Uh, I will have to. But yes, if only, yeah. so the and, uh, enemy, I mean, it's just a great, now this one's definitely a Jordy episode. I mean, he, he takes place, you know, as the, as the lead character. And I also, like, as I mentioned before, I like how, you know, he gets his uniform dirty. Like he's getting in the mud, he's making it happen. And at the end, like, man, that he's going to have to retire that uniform because it's beat up, but it's just, it adds to the realism. And I think it's a really, really good episode, a really good Jordy episode. Yeah, and I think w- the biggest thing about Jordy that I don't know because people I know we, and we all talk about it. I'm sure here it, there's a lot of things people will complain about Jordy, but I think when it comes to like a characteristic of Jordy, like outside of being the chief engineer, like okay, yeah, he's smart, and then also he wears a visor. I mean, those are all surface things, but like humor, he he has like, and it's a quirky one. I mean, it's not Levar Burton; it's Jordy LaForge. Jordy LaForge has a very quirky sense of humor, and the enemy, he's just being like sarcastic and like dropping marks all remarks the whole time with that Romulan. I mean, he's kind of like trying to keep it upbeat, but he's also smacking the Romulan around a little <laughs> bit, you know. You know, but but it's sort of like this odd balance of things and, you know, he has that LeVar Burton laugh, of course, he's LeVar Burton. But like, you oh, know, I love that laugh. Yeah, even like season 1 when he's making jokes, but like in this moment now when he maybe he's a little bit more seasoned, lieutenant commander, chief engineer, but even in this bad situation, season that's still... a terrible thing to say to a chief engineer. <laughs> but he's still cracking jokes, or at least being, you know, I don't know what you would call that, but I think that definitely comes out in that episode. And of course, I feel like we, you mentioned it, Darren, in your episode from there to here, but we should also mention the, uh, you know, the Romulan mentioning that Jordy wouldn't mm. wouldn't live. You know, he would. He, they wouldn't have been able to exist on on Romulus. They would have kind of discarded him uh, as a baby because he was quote unquote defective. And uh, you know what a wonderful message that is. You know, kind of be like, no, no. Not only am I not defective, you know, I'm the one that's going to save you. <laughs> yeah. So so that's fantastic as well. Yeah. What is it? Uh, oh, it's I just thought another good moment. I'll uh, I'll save that for later though. <laughs> share the love alright so Daniel what about you what's, what's your what's your what's a Jordy moment for you so the first thing that came up in my mind uh, is from First Contact uh, not the episode but the movie um I always feel like it's a Wikipedia entry when you say that First Contact parentheses movie yeah exactly to click on First well, you mo- did well, yeah, that's like what it's like in uh, Memory Alpha because there's First Contact the episode so you have to specify but uh, I love 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 the scene between him uh, specifically him and um, Cochran and then of course Barkley shows up as well halfway through the scene but um, uh, kind of showing how nerdy he is and how geeky he is and it's like the fact that he gets to participate in this event, uh, like crazy historical event, right? Like it would be like, uh, like us showing up for, I don't know, the, the, the Boston Tea Party or something. You know, like it's like so pivotal to to what he understands is his history, and and uh, and he just geeks out over, you know, 
your statue is right over there. And uh, <laughs> you told him about statue? the statue. <laughs> and uh, of and course, you're kind of reaching out to the stars. And I got to take a leak. <laughs> a le- leak? I'm not detecting any, any malfunctions. You know? Oh, <laughs> leak. I got it. <laughs> That's funny. funny. That's good. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 it's uh, you know, First Contact is a great movie for many many reasons, and it gives all of the characters a moment to shine. And I like this one because it's lighthearted and it's fun and it's it's nerdy and exciting too. It's like it, it feels something very appropriate for Jordy, and it also feels like you know he uh, he kind of represents the fans in a way in that in that scene. Yeah, and it's interesting because not only is it so historical for Jordy, as an engineer, you're meeting the person who, like, invented your field. Right. You know, so it's like... Literally! (laughs) (laughs) Warp field. I I got that one. I got got this uh, bet going with the uh, chief engineer of the Yamato, and can you (laughs) give me a hint on how to squeak 0.05% more power out of this? Can I have your vest? <laughs> Can I have your hat? <laughs> like he like after he gets back to the 24th century, he, like calls up like Lieutenant Commander, whoever from like. Guess who I just like, got a selfie with? <laughs> oh, oh, this vest? Oh, I don't know. I don't, what did I? Oh, Zephyr Cochran. That's who I got it from. <laughs> he also signed my yearbook from my elementary school. Though I think the thing about First Contact, and do you guys like it or not that they don't really? Again, it's a movie. I know they don't discuss any characters, but like, you know, the Jordy implants. It's just like, yeah, he has them now, right? Maybe they only could install them because he was on the E. Like that's where the technology came from, or something. Well, it's the most technological advanced ship because they're Bluetooth. Uh, they're blue eyes. Uh, I don't know. I was gonna. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. No, I actually I like the fact that it's not a thing that because there has been presumably. I don't know. Maybe if there was only like a book that covered this time period uh, when they were building the E. Maybe there's. Maybe there is. Maybe there's. Yeah, not. I mean, there's such a but, gap between generations right. and first. Uh, but anyways, there's a there's, a there's a there's a there's a multi-year. It's the most advanced ship. It is the ship of the fleet. Right. Right. <laughs> Top of the um, <laughs> class. What would you say? Yeah. Uh, but but so there's there's years in between, and I like. It's a shortcut way to be like there has been development going on. There, these characters existed in this time period, and for them to, be, to for like them to be like, oh, Jordy, you're why, why you're you're not wearing your visor anymore, and right. like it would feel shoehorned in, kind of. He's like, wait, Commander, let me use my new Zoom function, and I will find <laughs> Zephyr and Cochran. <laughs> yeah, before he had the pan pan uh, wide widescreen format eyes, and now he's got the telephoto lenses so yeah before he had the the alpha 50 vision i mean it was no ring i mean that would have been the pinnacle of visor technology <laughs> it just seemed like that the visor has like the same sort of like leaps in technology as like our tvs do now like yeah, the it's 4k now visor. <laughs> <laughs> there's a flirtation with the 3d visor it didn't really catch on um but anyway it was back wasn't backwards compatible with his ocular implants <laughs> Jordy, the the, uh, the first user of Oculus Rift. Well, it's also like you said, the fact that they just not that they ignore it; it's just a thing. It's same thing with like the uniforms. They're not like, boy, I'm glad we sure figured out that whole two uniform, you know, debacle of the last episode. <laughs> no, they're just all wearing the same uniform, and it's like, boom! Like, we don't got time to talk about uniforms. We got a planet to save. <laughs> yeah, it's about it's about streamlining it, right? And it's about showing you the most important things and telling you the only what you have to be told. And if you can, you can surmise, Oh wait, Jordy's not wearing his visor. He has some sort of cybernetic eyes. Uh, I think I can put two to two and two together. He got some sort of replacement at some point. Right. I mean, they even show the scene of him like literally zooming. Like you see the irises rotate and it's awesome. Exactly. And two and two. I got it. Um, so three (laughs) and two. (laughs) <laughs> better or worse five and seven so i think for my next moment it's such like it would be like a five second one but it was just one again when i think of jordy and then there's so many things again it's, it's that it's that laughter of the early seasons because he doesn't do it as much later uh in in the series 
Um, but like, this is such a small moment, but it's in the last outpost. It's when Data gets caught in the finger cuffs. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, I for you know, Data gets, and it's, this is a very undata one. It's early seasons. We forgive us, folks. Um, but you know, because Data would obviously be able to figure it right. out by accessing. But this is, I know Daniel, this is his favorite part about Data when he selectively doesn't know things. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. finger cuffs, can't access that. I just keep picturing um, the part in Measure of Man where he like bends the 10 style bar. Yes, or <laughs> or otherwise Data could literally just pull it apart. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> but you know, this basket woven finger cuff <laughs> can't can get out of that. This requires point zero 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 one percent of my strength. I can't get out. <laughs> it's like so silly. <laughs> But, but like, you know, and I've, actually, I'm trying to forget the context. This is with the Ferengi. So I don't forget even why they have toys. Oh, is it like there was a freighter? Or I think it was a gift. Toys? Yeah. From someone. But anyway, so, so like Data, he's like, they're in the, uh, the uh, observation lounge, if memory serves, and Data is talking to Picard and <laughs> suddenly gets caught in the finger cuffs. And then, like, Picard's like, uh, you know, this is sort of early season, season probably like, Commander, can you free yourself from those finger cuffs? And, like, I'm trying like I, I, it probably says i'm because it's season one i'm trying sir and and then like Riker's smiling but like jordy's just like breaking down <laughs> laughing with some <laughs> remark about like you know for all the love of whatever and then like i'm just now picturing like, jordy pulling out a pad and just starting to record it it's like this is so <laughs> going on my blog <laughs> so you know that that is probably uh the early data jordy relationship that that would be their relationship like Data's getting into trouble, and Jordy's first instinct isn't to help him; it's to pull out like his phone and record this on YouTube, and then be like, Haha, "I'm uploading that later." All right, I'll get you. Actually, he is recording in his Google Glasses. Just- <laughs> I was going to say he doesn't need a pad. Uh, Jordy can just record. So, mm. yeah, that's when he's going to engineering because he never goes there. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a shower first, at least. Come on now. So yeah, that's my little five-second Jordy moment of. Of him sort of, not the Joker necessarily, but I mean, like, you know, I don't, I think we all remember Encounter that first time we saw Jordy, well, the second, the first time we saw Jordy on the bridge, and he told that great joke um, that had us laughing for eight years. <laughs> so, I mean, come on, that Ferengi in the gorilla suit, classic, classic. It was probably, you know what, it was, after watching, um, oh boy, oh boy, the, um, perfect mate watched the perfect mate the other day uh-huh. and after their attitudes towards ferengi in that episode i guarantee you the joke that that <laughs> jordy made is a very racist joke <laughs> i feel like uh based on everybody else's attitude towards the ferengi so uh, maybe it's a good thing that we never heard it well we don't tell packlet jokes those are those are those <laughs> too are far that's a, yeah that's yeah. a bridge too far yeah two bridges so, too far yeah <laughs> So Darren, well, another scene one? I really like in the observation lounge is in one one zero zero one zero zero one, where Data's painting, and Jordy's like trying to describe it to him, and Riker gets that great line where he's like, "Well, you know, blind man teaching an android to paint—it's got to be worth something in somebody's book," and it's just like a, "Oh, Riker, you quip, you so you're so sharp," you know, but it's. <laughs> And he's Riker's just he's got that smug look on his face, like he's just so happy with himself. But you know, again, it's just another nice little moment of the Data Jordy friendship. Um, you know, they'll go on road trips together, they'll cosplay together. You know, they got all sorts of stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's interesting. I'm trying to think, like, you know, I don't know if Jordy necessarily teaches Data a lot. Like, I mean, like explicitly, like this is how to you know do whatever. Um. But, like, does Data ever teach Jordy anything? Like, <laughs> hey, I want you to show you how to take care of cats. Or, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't know. Trying to think Data, of, like, plug in my head and I will uh, <laughs> increase the warp efficiency 3% or something. Mm-hmm. You know, the Data and Jordy relationship is interesting because it's, we talked about this when we had a whole episode about it. But it's 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 funny because you don't, it's always little moments between them. A lot, like a ton of little moments. It's never like the crux of the episode. The closest we get is the one where they're in that shuttle um, and they go through the wormhole. Like, the, the price. The price. And But even then, like that was a B plot, maybe a C plot. I mean, it was part of the main plot, but it was just a couple of scenes. 
But the fact that we never get, like, it's just Data and Jordy the entire episode, but it's just like we always catch glimpses of this relationship, and that's, I think, what what's makes it so strong, and also what's what why people latch onto it, because you can kind of, the, you know, the, the chemistry they have is so strong. I also love the irony, the more that I think about this one line, I think it's funny on, like, eight levels of in parallels where Jordy immediately rec- recognizes Data's painting, Battle of Victoria, right? Right. And also, like, hey, <laughs> he's wearing a visor. So what the heck does that painting even look like to him? I wonder. So can you see all the know. other paintings beneath it? Like, you know, that the failed attempts <laughs> by the master. Yeah, the the Jordy Data relationship episode. If people want to listen, is was episode one twenty five road trip to the Delta Quadrant, bro. <laughs> So, uh, you know, you mentioned, Darren, that you had just recently done a From There to Here episode with Andy. Well, guess what? So have I. And she likes me better. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm teasing. She, she, well, her she cat likes doesn't. me better, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. But uh, we, we were talking about uh, the next phase. And this is actually something that I would never have thought of had, not, had I not just recently rewatched this. But um, in the next phase, Jordy and Ro, who's one of my favorite characters also, um, you know, everybody knows the story. They they kind of phase out of uh, sync with the rest of the universe. Um, so only they can see each other and nobody else can see them. Ro thinks that she's dead. And uh, we have this really interesting uh, dichotomy of of their worldviews, right? She's kind of questioning. She thinks that they died and that, that they're kind of in the afterlife or purgatory or whatever. And Jordy's like, no, 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 this is a problem to be solved. And and I really like Jordy's the, the whole episode. I really like Jordy's attitude of we're not dead, you know. This isn't heaven or hell or whatever. This is just uh, obviously like <laughs> there's a line he gives, and this is this is the specific moment that I wanted to to mention. Um, he's like, she's like, we're dead, Jordy, and he's like, me in my uniform. And my visor? Am I a blind clothed ghost? Like, it's so funny. Uh, and it's a really strong episode for Jordy. And, and then, of course, at the very end, when Jordy and, and Ro are, are kind of sharing a scene in 10 4 together, uh, and they just they kind of joke about, like, what did you learn from this experience? And, and he's like, oh, any experience that makes Ro Lair and a humble person is a good experience. It's funny and ha ha ha. Uh, oh, yeah. But any that whole experience episode, that can teach humility to Ro Lair. My yeah. goodness. That whole episode is actually a really strong Jordy episode. And, uh, you know, he solves the problem using his, his expertise. And, uh, he's, he, you know, he, he's very pragmatic the whole time. And I really appreciated that. And it was something that I wouldn't have thought about if I hadn't re- seen it recently. Well, and that's, a, and that's true because he, he basically solves the problem with both hands behind his back because he can't touch anything. He can't run any scans. He can't. He has, they have very limited effect on the world around them. So that in itself is a huge challenge. And he, he, he gets to ghost with Data. So, I mean, that's pretty much. That's pretty <laughs> right. cool. it, it, Data's pottery class when he's, he's working on the pottery. Can't you sense this, Data? Come on. <laughs> and suddenly music starts swelling up. Um, but yeah, though, I do notice how their feet don't seem to be very affected, Daniel. <laughs> yes, there are various <laughs> retcons, uh, such as the, the gravity plating, you could say, is what keeps them to the floor. But at least, at the very least, Jordy gets to uh, punt someone out, the <laughs> wall, out the wall of the Enterprise, the bulkhead, into space. So that's pretty cool. Very cool. All right, for me, the, the next one that I chose um, encompasses another part of Jordy that, that I always think about, and that's sort of like what I would call like passionate Jordy, because you know he's sort of even keel most of the time. He can be kind of, and I, I know like Daniel and Darren say like annoying sometimes, so that's sort of another part. Um, but like he also can get really passionate, and so one scene that immediately came to mind, and I'm also going to squeeze in a second one because I also was thinking of it at the same time, um, was from the most toys. And this is hmm. when Data, you know, is presumed dead. Data and... is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the search for Data. Uh, no. Um, and Star Trek that's the search. Two. Star Trek reads the search for Data. Uh, that's the Nemesi. Um, <laughs> but, but it's been a while since I've seen the episode, but it does seem a little bit like the crew gives up pretty easily. <laughs> like, eh, yeah, Data's dead. Well, that, that happened. 
Um, and Jory's sort of like the whole episode, even though this is sort of like a D plot or C plot, um, of like, you know, he's not giving up. And there's a, a scene where he's in the ready room. And it's also, I, I, cause I just watched it before, before we started recording here. It's almost the, the oddest, um, camera angle of the ready room I've ever seen. So I would definitely recommend people to see it because you have Picard in his chair, Riker's like against the wall. And Jordy is sort of like over, like you always never get this angle of the ready room. If, if anyone's interested in watching that scene, but to like to the, the right of Picard's desk. Yeah, it's almost like you're seeing it almost from like the replicator angle. Yeah. of like where that is. Um, you have that really harsh. It's like wow, it's a very strange part of the room. Um, and I don't know for something like Jordy almost feels. I almost feel like he's holding like the Shakespeare book. I don't know. I can't figure out what book he's holding. But anyway, but he's sort of like telling Picard and Riker like you know yeah yeah I've investigated it. And what did I come up with? Pilot error. You know, and they're like, well, you know, maybe. And he's like, no, you know, this is data we're talking about. And they're like, oh, it's so sad. You're such in mourning and can't see clearly. And he's like, no, that's a pun about my visor. Um, but no, it, I mean, but he's just very trying to like, oh, and then and Picard sort of like, you know, I mean, basically like I'm ordering you to go get some rest and stop doing this and whatever. But like. Jordy sort of has this defeated look, but he's just very passionate. But it also reminded me, and it's just a line too, of it's from Pen Pals, um, of where they're having the sort of the uh, the only time they do this, the um, unofficial crew debate meeting in um, <laughs> what was that Picard's quarters? Or it's Riker's Picard's quarters. Qu- yeah. Picard's quarters, mm-hmm. and you know, sort of like they're debating the show, like Law and Order style. Um, and then like uh, Jordy has that line, like you know, I think it was like. Maybe it was Riker or someone like, you know, maybe we should consider letting the planet die. Pen pals, of course. Remember, this is the one where Data has a pen pal. Um, and, you Data? know, the, exactly. And the planet's going to like explode or whatever. And Data's saying, like, eh, maybe we should help. But anyway, Riker's like, well, maybe they're, the planet's destined to die. die. And Jordy's like, consider it considered and rejected. And, you know, he just sort of has this big passionate sort of like, you know, thing. And so that's how I always, I always get Jordy. Like, when he gets something in his, like, his bee in his bonnet, he's not going to let it go. But that is that one. So, Darren, what is your pick? Well, my next one is from Interface, which is another Geordi episode. It's the one where Geordi becomes a probe. I don't know. It's a little weird. But look, we, Darren, I, I like how you phrase that. Like, I couldn't have given you like eighty-four other Star Trek synopses that are much weirder than that. You're like, Geordi yeah, becomes a probe. That one's weird. Like, nah, that's a pretty normal one. I'm gonna say like. Picard I'm reading the light. Netflix Wesley summary. Okay, it's <laughs> but and and this one, you know, it delves a lot into Jordy's pet. I mean, we get to meet, well, see what his mother looks like, meet his father. You know, we realize he has a sister and a sister. <laughs> and you know, is we get to we get to hear Captain it. Picard was wise to hide her too. <laughs> if you won't interface with the probe, maybe she will. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is a fun. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a fun episode, but it's it's a good one though for exploring you know that part of Jordy's past and. You know, we we definitely always see him as being part of the, you know, the Enterprise family. But the fact that, you know, he has a dad, he has a mom, and, you know, he he's kind of impacted by the loss of his mother's ship. And, you know, there's there's other, it's kind of, if you think about it, a tiny glimpse of, a glimpse of what we could have maybe gotten if the Dominion War or something had actually taken place in TNG. You know, we, d- we don't get repercussions like that throughout the rest of the Federation. But, but and again, we get some more data and Geordi moments in, you know, the interface room. And, but a lot of it's just in Geordi's head as he's trying to work through, you know, what he's seeing and missing his mother. So I, definitely a good, solid Geordi episode. Yeah, and I think that, again, would show his sort of, like, when he has something, he's going to go at it at 9.96. Mm. Like know, women. He's not going to let go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, he didn't go all the way. We're not thresholding anything. Um, but you know, It would be a, weird if him and Picard had lizard babies. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just saying. It wouldn't be the weirdest, okay? It wouldn't be the weirdest. <laughs> um, 
Uh, it's time for Trek to embrace <laughs> two men having lizard babies in the new series. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it it, it kind of reminds me of that like in Star Trek, all the yeah, say all all the um doctors all have that sort of like you know my ethics. I believe in and I've you know I, no matter what I'm going to hold on to that. Maybe more so than all the other characters, but I think Jordy, not necessarily on an ethical basis, but in sort of like when he thinks he's right, he sort of has like things like like the doctors, like Crusher or McCoy, like I'm, I'm, I think this is right, and I'm going to do this no matter if I blast a hole through the bulkhead. But Daniel, what's your moment? Well, you know, Philip, since you're the host this week, and you got two, I get to bring up two. So. <laughs> One of the things about Jordy is that we don't, for for a good majority of the time, we don't um, acknowledge and kind of recognize his blindness. Now, it, of course, it does come up. It's not like it's never talked about. Um, but I think the two most impactful moments uh, that we get about his blindness is when he regains his sight. Or he doesn't regain it, he gains sight, I should say. Um, and he does this early on in uh, that Q episode from season one. Hide and Q, is it? Uh, yes, yes. Hide and Q. Um, but that one's creepy, so I don't want that to be my main one. Um, because Daniel, turned- I never imagined how beautiful you were. <laughs> but, and Philip, you may be surprised that I'm going to mention the moment from Insurrection, uh, where he sees uh, the, the beautiful sunset, sunrise, I can't remember. Um, I think it's a sunrise. Sunrise, yeah, on the planet, <laughs> and uh, it's a, you know, it is a tiny moment, and but it's probably my favorite. I can't think of anything else now. It's probably my favorite scene from that movie, and it's so powerful, and it goes to the strength of of Lavar's acting. Uh, but he sells it on the fact that, like, wow, I've never seen it like this before. It's so, and then you get the sense of like, no, this person, you know, as much as we probably take you know, take for granted that this actor has just had this hairband on his face for seven years and, and, and he can still see. And, and but you know what I mean? Like the, this character has been blind all of his life. And, and even though he can see things with the visor, it is, it is still, uh, you know, it's still a burden on him and it's still not like, he's not like everyone else. He is different from, from everyone else because of it. And, that's one of the few moments where you kind of feel that. And, and it's very powerful to me. And I really, really, really appreciated that. And I like that moment for that reason. Yeah. Cause and it, he seems very mature about it, especially, and I don't know if it's always a consistent treatment of the character, but like early season, Jordy, like naked now time, time now, um, <laughs> whichever one it is, um, you know, where he, you know, he's sort of like, Oh, I just want to see, and you don't know how it is. And, um, but whereas an insurrection, he tells Picard, like, you know what? It may not last, and if it doesn't, that's fine, but I'm just here to enjoy this one moment. And so it's sort of a very, you know, interesting uh, thing about that. And and it is sort of... I always wonder about Jordy's attitude, because in those, like, early season one, he sort of got those, like, you know, hey, he's blind, but he would, you know, certainly like to see. But then, like, in the other sort of, like, ensuing six and a half years, seven years, it's just sort of like, you know, he's... a adjusted to it you know he is who he is and he's very proud of it and you know when people point it out you know aliens or other species he'll be like hey i can do lots of things and whatever but sort of still sort of reverts back to insurrection where like you know what it'd, it would be nice but i'm still good so yeah no i did enjoy that and it and it was i mean it was right an encounter that he has that entire conversation with 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 Be- with beverly about what are his options like oh you you know we can we have these things that you can do, but you're going to be in constant or you are, you are in constant pain, but uh, whatever, all of these different options. And he's like, you know what? Nope. I'm fine. I'm fine where I'm at. And it makes sense to me. And that's why like first contact is okay with me because it's like, as soon as something better comes along, I feel like he would definitely jump at the chance. There's no, it's not like he's beholden to the visor. It's just the best option he has currently. And so, uh, so he jumps from the visor to the eyes and then to realize in, in, in insurrection. And then it, it's just, it, it's fluid and it makes sense to me. Yeah, no, I agree. Now I chose one episode next, but you know what? Let, let's just throw the rules out. I'm going to double episode it because I don't think you can say this one episode 
without then saying the other one. And that's Booby Trap and Galaxy's Child. The uh, <laughs> Leah Brahms duology. I don't know. Um, Sequel? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So, um, you know, I was just going to mention Booby Trap, but I'm like, you know what? Galaxy's Child, too. That all, you know, that also happened. Um, but wouldn't I, it be just the two of the three episodes of the Leah Brahms trilogy if you included All Good Things? Well, she's off stage. I mean, come on. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, nobody can cook as good as Leah, but I can still make a decent cup of tea, Daniel. Um, but so, because I think you get both good and, and maybe not as good, Jordy. Because actually, I think Booby Trap is actually starts off really well. That's holographic Leah for those who don't remember. Um, and I think it just has a weird ending. I mean, like, yeah, not, not weird. I mean, like, the last five her- minutes, they kind of go in a direction. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I could see, like, what they were doing with the hologram character worked. Like, it was naturally adapting to Jordy, and you could see that it was basically adapting based on him, but then it kind of, like, really adapted at the end, and you're like, okay. Love me, Jordy. Love me. (laughs) When you look Um, at this warp core, you're looking at my heart. That's right. Um... But but you can sort of see, you notice know, the whole like you know, and if I booby trap if I remember correctly, um, sorry, like sorry. Now I'm just picturing like in relics where, uh, Scotty like opens up the lithium chamber and Jordy just being like, "Not Leia, don't touch her." <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's I'm just anytime anyone touches the warp core and gets jealous, um, he barrel rolls under the door. Bye, Leia. <laughs> wait so that means like when the enterprise d exploded when the engine exploded he's like no <laughs> um every time your warp core explodes that's me dying jordy um but, but like in booby trap i think it starts with, like with a bad date and it's all like oh i can't be myself and then he goes to the hologram and he bees himself and yeah yeah but it but it, it, i think it, it it is a jordy episode for the most part if i remember correctly um and it does show him, you know, thinking something through. He is the chief engineer. He is usually the problem solver, either him, him and Data, or him and Wesley or something. But um, And then also sort of shows that relationship part, right? Let's finally bring that part up. You know, n- n- no good with the ladies unless they're holographic and adapt to his will. And then you have Galaxy's Child when he meets real Leia. Um, and, you know, kind of gets sorely disappointed. But then it's, I think it kind of has a sweet ending, though. Um, it's kind of like ah, I'm kind of married and stuff, and then married. How Jordy's could l- it didn't tell me that? And Jordy's like, but I talked to Daniel, and that's not shouldn't be an issue for us. And then, <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. No, um, but no, but I, I, it's sort of interesting just to basically see how you know the whole you know trouble with the ladies is sort of those two two episodes there. Well, one of my last moments is from Generations. And it's, you know, the beginning when they're on the boat and, you know, when Andy's still not sure what the heck is going on and they exactly. And this where data is funny and (laughs) shoves Beverly off the ship in slow motion. He does it so well. She falls in slow motion and hits wharf. And then, you know, data kind of gets that smug look on his face and he looks up and, and Jordy's just like data. <clears throat> and Jordy's just like, Data, that was not funny. <laughs> and Olivar Burton can be so expressive with his eyebrows. I mean, because you can't see his eyes with the visor, but you can just tell the look on his face that he's like, oh man, I wish I'd been recording this. You know, I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> it was the holodeck. I didn't think I would have to. Oh, Data. Well, we forgot, to, he... forgot to charge that portion, the battery. Wait, does, are you telling me that Jordy has a Twitter feed that's called blank Android says that he just tweets everything that data does? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a bot. Wait, no. Yes. Android? No. I don't know what they'd call All it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel, what about you? Do you have a, a last one here for Jordy? I was thinking of the Barkley episode, Hollow Pursuits. Um, what I actually think Jordy is a jerk most of that episode um and it's kind of had to be told by captain picard hey you know play nice um but when he does when he actually does finally start to connect with with uh lieutenant broccoli uh it it feels 
it's nice. It's really nice because he, you know, he says, it, mentioning, he actually brings up what Philip just mentioned, uh, the, the Leah Brahms thing. I, you know, it's easy to get lost in the holodeck. I fell in love in the holodeck once. And, uh, you know, he shows vulnerability there as well. And another moment that I know you said one, Philip, but I'm going to do two. Another moment where he. Uh, well, I'm going to do this. two next, okay? Because I just well, want to okay. get on You can bandwagon. do three, Darren. <laughs> um is the episode iborg um and he is actually the one that convinces and that's a geordie episode in a lot of ways but he convinces gynan to give hugh a second chance and gynan convinces picard to give hugh a second chance but it you know hugh bonds to geordie first and uh you know it's it shows that he is he is a very likable person and and that some of these characters just kind of have a natural reaction to him. Yeah, I think there's the, uh, I found the Laforgeism's website, and during iBorg, it's like, I will assimilate you, and Laforge's like, okay, but before that, um, we're gonna check your... <laughs> oh. It looks like great assim- assimilation, but I'm gonna let you finish, but first, <laughs> Lacutus did a way better assimilation than you ever did. <laughs> Yeah, and I think with Hollow Pursuits, it's it's not often like he's the chief chief engineer, and, and we know that because he's in engineering. But we don't often see his team, and I think Hollow Pursuits is one of those. That's not the only, but it's one of those few times you actually see like the whole team around the uh, Dig Dug arcade platform. What do we call that? Um, but anyway, the pool you table. Have, like, Wes- the yeah, pool table. Yeah, yeah. You have like Wesley, you have um, Barkley, and you have you know Ensign Lieutenants, no names. Um, and they're all sort of like, all right, guys, come on, spit fire at me. What do we got? No, no such thing as a bad idea. You, what do you got? That's, that's that could a be terrible the EPS idea. EPS <laughs> tap, stupid idea. Next, next, what do you got? That guy's fired. What do you got? <laughs> Impress me. All right, so anyone, we'll do a little quick free-for-all. Anyone have any final honorable mentions of, uh, Jordy moments they, they highlight or anyone they would recommend about showing off the LaForge character in all their glory? Which is the one, well, okay, well, there's, uh, Gosh, it was someone where he turns into a lizard, not a lizard baby, but uh, that's it. Oh, uh, no, no, uh, that's oh, oh, identity crisis, identity crisis. Yeah, I, I like that one in the fact that he also again uses the holodeck to solve his problem. It's his Photoshop. <laughs> it's like, where is that shadow coming from? Yeah, so yeah, it's that's a fun moment, and there's just I'm glad that they worked out a way for him to be on the bridge a lot. And so he's not just literally down in engineering all the time. But uh, I also like the moments where he inter- interacts with his team, be it first contact when he's, you know, he's got, they got a, they got stuff to work on or the ship's falling apart. You know, he, he always is a good motivator, I would say. Uh, so he, he's not like that one R2 unit that has a bad motivator. <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, I think we've, we've done a, a bit of uh, helping to promote uh, Jordy LaForge, who, who, like I said, doesn't often get a lot of love around here. Um, but he's an integral part of the crew, and I think we all can see that now. But Jordy LaForge character moments are not the only thing we've been talking about this week. Here's a quick look at what else you may have missed this week on Trek.fm. Previously on Trek.fm, The Ready Room. You don't create a better future and then it's just there and it's just stagnant and nothing ever threatens it, right? That's not reality. Yeah, you'd end up with Star Trek The Next Generation if you did that, right? Right, well, exactly. (laughs) And I think that's why a lot of people who love The Next Generation don't like Deep Space Nine because Deep Space Nine challenges that premise. The Orb. Maybe later, maybe he could have come back in like season seven and he was in love with Kira, Odo was in love with Kira, and they could have had an Ambojutsu match to see who would win her heart. Women at Warp. Admiral Alan Alda came to visit Captain Coretta Scott King. (laughs) Meanwhile, morale officer Beyonce is uh, trying to deal with her new Weasley sweater. And (laughs) they're all partying at the first contact party. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. You can listen to every show on the network at Trek.fm with links for iTunes, streaming services, and a direct download link. This week of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com. This is a great way for you to read all of the books you want to read but never have time for. 
Audible is always expanding with over 150,000 titles to choose from. There are classics, current bestsellers, and famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation. Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to try out Audible yourself. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. To support Trek FM, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Thank you, Audible, for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. If you are a weekly listener and would like to directly help Earl Grey, please consider becoming a patron of Trek FM. At patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose a pledge level and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. You'll be inside the Observation Lounge of our network, able to participate in our monthly patron roundtable podcasts, and supporting the production of all of our great content. We would like to take this moment to thank our current patron associate producers, Stephen Boyd and Ron Sarna. Thank you for supporting Earl Grey. Connect with other Trek FM listeners on our Facebook discussion group called The Babel Conference, found through the Facebook search field, or like the facebook.com slash trekfm page for show updates and announcements. The network is also on Twitter, at trekfm. All right, Daniel, when you're not recording the things that Darren does and posting them to the internet, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter. And my handle there is one up Dan. That is the number one, not the word. And Darren, when you're not um, having all the fun in the holodeck and telling people that they are not funny, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. Or they can find me on Saturday Morning Trek talking about the animated series. All right. And when I'm trying to find out where you put the quarters in the pool table so I can play Cubert, uh, possibly. Two-player um, Mrs. Pac-Man. <laughs> they can find me on Twitter at well, as well, and that's uh, at handle NC Public Servant. That's NC for North Carolina. Uh, well, guys, um, I, I got my Jordy Playmates action figure, and, and like Daniel said, he does fit on the bridge, but I think he needs to find a place in main engineering, so I'm going to go on eBay and figure out which body part I need to sell in order to get the engineering playset. So, until next week... Make it so. I have the engineering playset. Endgame. Fire.